0: Welcome everybody to Connecting the Universe. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker, back for our third and final interactive class on Egypt. This one is about uh, primarily Egypt and Atlantis. We're also going to get into some strange artifacts along the way and really where we are starting. Uh, are with the temples which is where we were last week but this does play into Atlantis and I if you remember at the end of last week I said we have another temple to do Edfu And it does play into the Atlantis story. So do want to mention, though, that this broadcast, of course, is brought to you by the Connected Universe Portal. ConnectedUniversePortal.com, which the the members right now are watching this live stream presentation of the class. People get the audio version later on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and as well as KGRA Radio, uh, which is syndicated later on. So thank you all. Uh, for joining me this evening, uh, I know Nicole's uh, tagging people in the chat, and some of these are still just popping up as Facebook users. So whatever that uh, little setting is, you guys have to hit there so that uh, so I can actually see your names. That would be fantastic. But uh, all right, so let's go ahead and get into the the class here this evening. Like I said, we're going to be starting with Ed Fu Temple. There's a lot. A lot of things here to cover with Edfu, not just Atlantis, which we, we will be getting uh, to that here in a few moments. Let me go ahead and show you Edfu. Uh, this, is, this is from the, uh, the front of it, of course, and there's one of the, uh, the guards there you know, protecting our lives. But, uh, you know, fantastic temple. It's actually a temple of horse, and we're going to see uh, some of these things as we go along. I want to show you a couple of photos here this is the uh you know the inner courtyard as you go through the the gate there and something that mohammed always liked to to point out with the gates as you cross the threshold the the threshold uh of these gates were uh created in granite and the idea was to get everybody onto the the same frequency as you you pass through that granite it kind of uh uh, changes your frequency a little bit so that everybody has has the same frequency going inside the temple, so that the uh, so that the temple doesn't get misaligned. So, big question as to whether that still works these days, but that was that was the philosophy back then. So you pass into the inner courtyard. Like I said, this is the temple of Horus, uh, so you see a lot of these uh, these statues. Uh, of the falcon, which represents horse, and you know, keep that in mind as we go along uh, into, into Edfu. because this, this becomes very interesting. Now, we took a look at some of the depictions on, on the walls, and some of this you may recognize from last week with Esna. Again, we're not quite to Atlantis yet, but there are several significant things about Edfu that are absolutely fascinating. So here is the depiction of the temple. That is that uh, that large box there, a uh, little trapezoidal, uh, but, but that's the uh, uh, signifier or the depiction, the art for for the temple. Now, the next freeze over, here you see the temple on the ground, just you know being its regular self, the temple. But on the next freeze, you see here, and we saw we saw a depiction like this at, at Esna, if you remember from last week, where the temple is now being levitated. You see, it, it's a little bit harder to see because, unfortunately, Edfu is a temple in which uh, the ancients came along and they they chiseled out uh, most of the the depictions of uh, of a lot of the humans. Uh, and so these would have been, uh, uh, I don't have the whole depiction here, but uh, I believe these are either the kings or the netters. Uh, or they even, well, they could have even been priests. It's hard to tell because the uh, the skirt is chiseled away there too. Um, in fact, that's like completely missing. And the the way you could tell the different priests were by the size of the skirts, by the way. Uh, but unfortunately, a lot of that's been chiseled away, and that's where, you know, I got up on my soapbox last week and said, hey, a lot of this, uh, you know, a lot of these uh, you know, statues that we're defacing today, knock it off because, you know, as we look back into our ancient history, we are aggravated by seeing this. Um, you know, we would like to know, you know, precisely what they are trying to say here. But But we can still see the temple, and they're using some sort of device to actually levitate the temple. If we go back to the other depiction, you see it very plainly on the ground. Here, it's being levitated, and the uh, color of the, uh, basically, the gateway of the of the temple there is it's a different color. So this is kind of depicting that uh, that stargate activity, and we definitely see uh, depictions of stargates here uh, at Edfu in relation to. Atlantis and we'll see that a little bit but this is a another depiction of the levitation of the temple and you know kind of that uh, that energy around it that they're using to to lift it up Uh, the the one hand that he actually has the device in is is outside of the photo Uh, but they had what what's fascinating is the you see a lot of the depictions where they're using rods and other devices to be able to do these different things And we can't find those artifacts today. They're in all of these uh, friezes or pieces of art, uh, these different carvings, and we can't find those devices today. So that's why I was saying, uh, you know, like last week and in the week before that uh, many believe that if they do still exist, that they may actually be in the hands of private collectors. So we don't uh, don't know precisely. So that's the uh, levitation of the temple. Uh, as shown here in Edfu. Then as we go on... now each of these, uh, each of these temples has a Holy of Holies. And it looks like I forgot the one photo I wanted to... one of the photos I wanted to include here. Darn it. It's actually from last week. I'm going to actually add it in here real quick. But as you look into uh, the Holy of Holies, we could not walk into uh, this one because it actually still has an Ark of the Covenant. Now, we talked about the Ark of the Covenant uh, last week because of uh, Elephantine Island, but this is not the Ark of the Covenant. This is a Ark of the Covenant, uh, you know that, and that's what so the the ancient Hebrews got that idea from the Egyptians, where the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, they got that from the Egyptians. And so that's what's actually being shown here. We can't get in there to touch it. Also notice what is directly behind the ark. Uh, And that is one of these large granite shrines. And we saw one of these at Elephantine Island in last week's presentation. And that's, here it is on the ground uh, just like it was thrown, thrown there like a rag doll. And if you recall, we talked about the, uh, you know, the the tip of the pyramid at the top being completely flat, and whether or not, like with the Great Pyramid, if it was truly meant to be flat, or if it really did have a a cap on it. Because a lot of people believe it may have had something like a, a gold cap. But you see here in other structures, you know, this smaller type period on top of the shrine. Uh, with that flattened top and you see it back there in that shrine in the holy of holies here at Edfu. So really really interesting. Alright. So so this is what we talked about last week. There's an actual depiction of it here at Edfu. Uh it's quite rare. Most of the uh uh Holy of Holies at the different temples um you know there's nothing there there's um one of the, there was one that we went to that actually at least had uh, a pillar there uh, but uh, most of them are completely empty but Edfu is great cuz it actually still has something there so uh, remember i said that this is a temple of horus well this is something interesting this is mohammed ibrahim and you know just as a uh, as a quick shout out for mohammed so the tour was the return of the keper cycle uh, which was put on through Mohammed Abraham's uh, tour company, Guide of Egypt. So, if you want to go on a tour of Egypt, he's the guy to go through. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, our, our good, our good friend Johnny Enoch was on that docket as a special guest. Uh, Jay Widener was as well. Uh, he was unable to make it at last minute, so they they conferenced him in the one night. And. Uh, we're going to see some of Johnny here later, but Muhammad uh, likes to point this one out. So again, this is a temple of Horus, and there are all kinds of depictions of Horus there. Uh, so you see uh, Horus on the on the right with the bow and arrow. You also see a depiction of Horus to the left of him as a female form. So this is you don't usually see this <laughs> this is you don't usually see a female form of horse but there it is female form of horus holding a, a staff uh, with the uh, looks like the papyrus top or it could be a lotus a little hard to to tell from this distance uh but this is really interesting and the it, Mohammed doesn't really have an explanation for this, and even the the academics just kind of gloss over this and just say we don't know what it is. They don't want to come up with a reason for <laughs> for why there may be a female depiction of of horse. It's it's really an unknown at this point why why we see that. But uh, it's it's an interesting find that uh, definitely warrants uh, more investigation and research. So another interesting one at Edfu. That's just kind of fun. Uh, you see this and you and you know, Muhammad being kind of playful, uh, trying to get Wi-Fi on his phone. Uh, that de- that depiction there is, is not a uh, it's not ancient Wi-Fi. Uh, it's a nice little it's a nice little joke, though. Hey, like come over here to get your uh, your ancient Wi-Fi, but it kind of looks like that. And see, that's kind of you know something that's that's interesting. You know, through our modern eyes, that's the depiction that we get. We talked a, a bit about that last week when we talked about Abydos with uh, you know those those glyphs that look like the, uh, the helicopter or the tank and you know things like that you know, through our modern, modern eyes. And I believe that those carvings are you know, you know, whatever they are in our modern eyes is what we interpret them as. Uh, and they may be some sort of flying machines, but um, they're certainly not erosion like the, the mainstream t- likes to point out. What this is, uh, this is actually, uh, these are offerings for, of food. And the one that looks like Wi-Fi is a a symbol for meat. It's supposed to signify the ribs within the meat. So uh, just just a little fun there. Let's see if there's a a couple of comments here. Uh, Sarah Yusuf asking, are the headdresses supposed to represent upper and lower Egypt? You'll see some different headdresses. So... Um, you know, there's the, the two different crowns, uh, the one of Upper Egypt and the one of Lower Egypt, and then you'll see them together, uh, with those headdresses there, um, if I go back to that, I think you're just seeing the, the sun, yeah, so that's the, that's the sun disc there, um, the, the one all the way over on the left, uh, I've trying to remember which is red and which is white. Uh, believe that's the red. And then the one, the other one that we don't see here would be the white. Uh, I can't tell. the Well, the, in the one all the way over on the right, it doesn't look like he's wearing a headdress. Unless there's something above there that we're not quite seeing because it kind of runs off the photo. Uh, but, yeah, the one on the, the female horse is actually the sun disc. So, it's a good question, though. Good question. All right, Uh, bottom. Okay, bottom one is white, so I had them reversed. So there you go. All right. So now I did. I did promise Atlantis, right? All right, we're going to get to Atlantis right now. So at Edfu, um, there are. It's not the complete text. Um, and there's there's some interpretation in there for sure, but it, it appears to be a partial text of the Atlantis story, and this is on uh, basically the outer walls. Now, around the temple, there's, and you can't really see it here. You'll see it in the video I'm about to play. Um, but basically, there's a uh, kind of a gap between uh, the outer wall of the temple and then another wall that goes around the whole complex, and this it's it's on the walls uh, between the two and you can see the the boats here it's an it's an origin story and so I'm gonna go ahead and play this video clip it's it's not the full it's not the full uh, clip because it's it's 15 minutes in length now you guys that have access to the Connected Universe Portal member site, if you go into the special features section, you can watch this, this whole thing that's 15 minutes in length. Uh, but here's, here's a couple of snippets from that with Mohammed and Johnny, and we're a little playful at, at the beginning here.
1: So according to Graham Hancock, he wrote that there is a story written here by the priest talks about Atlantis. But to be honest with you, I don't know where it is. Like, I, Which is I why
0: we need Johnny. And I yeah. don't
2: think... Hey, yes. you're supposed to be over America
0: here telling story. us the yeah. Atlantis story. No, I mean, Stop I mean. thinking off on us.
2: Oh, we've been circling around looking for you guys. You're lying. No,
1: we were. We even tried calling He's Mary been Jane. In there the whole time. Step up and okay.
0: let's go. You're up. Better up.
1: I thought you kidnapped John and you were about to send me a message with the ransom. <laughs> 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 Okay, where where is the Atlantis story? But we are not very sure about that this is the the true one because when uh, Graham Hancock was talking about it, he didn't say where. But when I explained this to you three years ago, it was because it talks about the story of immigration and it showed the power of the netters who
2: came uh, through the ocean right but he- here's the thing so remember the lecture that Muhammad gave you guys last night mm-hmm. and he was talking to you about the Atlantis story where we get mm-hmm. it from we were all discussing this before right we think that people think that Atlantis is a Greek story mm-hmm. Richard yes. knows this it's mm-hmm. it in his eyes mm-hmm. but here's the thing is that the Plato Plato tells us the story that he writes in, you know, we hear about Critias and Tiamyus, but his uncle Critias told it to him. Mm -hmm. His uncle Critias got the story from his great-great-great-grandfather, Solon. Mm -hmm. Solon traveled over to Egypt, what it was called Mm Sa'is. And when he came here, he talked to a priest called Songchi. Songchi said, come here, I got a story to tell you. Mm -hmm. It's a great story. And we believe the story that Muhammad's showing you is the same one he saw and the temple of Nephro.
1: I will tell you, but let me explain a few things first and then I will show you uh, something else also, something important about the, the story of creation. In this temple, we are going to see different type or different style of the word Stargate again, like this one. Okay, to make sure you understand that this is a Stargate.
0: Okay, and we're going to get more into the stargates here. We talked a little bit about those uh, last week. And you see at a number of the temples, the, uh, basically the, the hieroglyphs for stargates. And they're represented in a couple of different ways. Sometimes you have the gate and the star next to it. The one that he was pointing at there was the gate with the star over it. Um, and then there's the cartouche full of stars. And we're, we're going to see that uh, again here soon. So, uh, yeah, what, what's interesting about the the whole Atlantis story, and you know, some of it being included there uh, on those walls. Again, you know, w- watch that whole video. It's it's quite interesting. It's you know, fifteen minutes of those guys going back and forth. Uh, so, you heard Johnny talking about uh, Plato and Solon. Everybody attributes, of course, the Atlantis story to to Plato because he's the one that that wrote about it. Uh, but basically, a lot of that came from Solon. So here's here's the two guys. It's Solon on the left there. Plato is on the right. And there's basically six generations between uh, these two. Uh, there are many that believe that Solon was a great, great, however many greats it is, uncle to, uh, to Plato. Uh, so they were related. And you know, those stories uh, came down... Uh, through the generations. Uh, Plato uh, has a long dissertation about that, or not, not really dissertation, but basically describes a lot of the uh, the Atlantis story in the uh, Critias or Critias, however you want to pronounce it. Um, I'm not Greek, I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, but in any case, in the uh, Critias or Criteus, however you pronounce it, uh, He gives a lot of that story but it's incomplete and i I think a lot of people don't realize that he didn't finish the story there he basically got to the point where uh atlantis now they were not supposed to by their laws they were not supposed to um they were not supposed to solicit war they were allowed to defend themselves of course and if one of the kingdoms of atlantis which they were Ten Kingdoms of Atlantis. Uh, You know, if one of them had been attacked by an outside nation, then, you know, the the different kingdoms of Atlantis were supposed to, uh, you know, help defend the one that was uh, being attacked. So, it's fine to uh, to be in a war as long as you're defending them yourself. However, over the years, the Atlanteans kind of forgot about that, uh, and Zeus became very upset about this. Remember, this is told from, the story is told from a Greek perspective, even though it came from uh, Egypt. Zeus became very upset about that and was about to punish the, the Atlanteans. And uh, basically, Plato had gotten to that point in uh, the Critias, or Critias, and all of a sudden the text stopped. Like he just stopped writing. Uh, whether he got distracted or, you know, he started writing something else, had other work to do, we don't know. But the text stops there. Um, so there is, you, you heard Johnny also talking about the, uh, about the Timaeus, which is another work. And the story kind of picks up there. Um, and I'll just go ahead and and read it for you. Now, this is um, you know specifically mentions the uh, the story coming down from Solon by an Egyptian priest. And like I said, I'll read the piece here for you. Uh, but afterwards, you know, this is when uh, you know Atlantis is being destroyed. But afterwards, there occurred violent earthquakes and floods, and in a single day and night of rain all your warlike men in a body sank into the earth and the island of Atlantis in like manner disappeared and was sunk beneath the sea. And that is the reason why the sea in those parts is impassable and impenetrable because there is such a quantity of shallow mud in the way. And this was caused by this uh, subsidence of the land. So, so you see there, basically that's the, you know, that's Part of the fall of Atlantis, it's in a couple of different texts, and you know you heard these stories also of the Atlantis story being uh, written on columns in Egypt up to about 300 A.D., and then I forget the name of that temple, but that temple was was basically. Lost and it's, and it's been lost a time since then. So it'd be uh, be interesting if somehow that could be rediscovered and we could get that story and those texts back. You also hear about um, you know the story possibly being at the Library of Alexandria before uh, it was destroyed by uh, by Theodosius. Also, is there part of the Atlantis story in the quote unquote Hall of Records? Under the Sphinx, if there is a Hall of Records under the Sphinx, so there are uh, possible locations to maybe pick up more of the Atlantis story. Uh, but you know, as far as uh, you know, being able to access those now be a, a challenge. Of course, Library of Alexandria is gone. Um, Everybody's keeping hush hush over what is inside or under the Sphinx, and of course, you have a temple lost to time. So to be able to find that would be a challenge. So, uh, Sarah sounds similar to references to the biblical Great Flood. Um, yeah, that's that's always the interesting thing about these about these stories is that between all the different cultures, you see. Uh, so much crossover that the old stories are, like, like when it comes to the Great Flood. We know the Great Flood happened. Uh, all, all these different cultures from all over the world talk about the Great Flood and how there were just a handful of survivors. You know They made their way to another land and they picked up the pieces and restarted their civilization. We see that all over the place. It's something mainstream doesn't necessarily acknowledge. Uh, they don't like to. They don't like to acknowledge the whole great cataclysm thing. They know things happened, obviously, you know, because we had ice ages and then you know things like that happened. You know, we know. You know, there are large meteor strikes. Um, of course, they wiped out the the dinosaurs. We know there are. Uh, you know, great volcanic eruptions. So they know all these things happened. They don't like to talk about the idea that civilization uh, had started, uh, was developing, had developed some high technology, and then there was a great global cataclysm to basically destroy that, and survivors had to pick up the pieces and start again, probably because it plays too much into the biblical flood story, but again, you have all of these cultures from all over the place talk about the same thing. It would also... Uh, give credence to the ideas of you know the building of the Great Pyramids or the Sphinx or you know other structures like this that are just mind-boggling where we don't know how they build them built them. We can barely even do that today. You know some of it we're just now getting the technology to be able to do it. And other there's other you know large uh, structures out there that we could not do it with today's technology. So it would give credence to the idea that they had a high technology. That was lost Uh, would it would break up the the timeline the narrative that they've put together so far so they don't like to uh, uh, to really talk about those sorts of things Uh, there are a lot of people that believe that with Atlantis um, that it was the Great Flood that took it out Um, a lot of different theories though as to what exactly happened there and of course as far as where Atlantis was Many people in in Egypt, and Muhammad is one of them, um, and I love Muhammad, but I don't necessarily agree with this. He believes that the capital of Atlantis was at Heliopolis there in in Egypt, and I don't necessarily believe that. Now, was Egypt a part of Atlantis? Um, Yes. (laughs) Um, And there's a couple of different narratives here too, a couple of different ideas, Um, and, and one is that um, you know the the Atlantean civilization uh, was very very widespread that this this concentric you see the concentric circles I, I love this depiction because basically it shows a um, like a portal or a stargate right in the middle of uh, of Atlantis right in the middle of the temple there then we're going to talk a little bit more about stargates here shortly Uh but that, yeah, there was a, a capital that was, you know, that, that nice uh, description that, that Plato gives, but that the Atlantean civilization, because you know, there were ten kingdoms here, uh, that the Atlantean civilization was widespread and spread out across the earth, not necessarily the entire earth, uh, but into a lot of uh, different regions, and that the uh, the kingdom was, was not just one city, but... Uh, but many cities over a widespread uh swath of land so that said was egypt a part of that very well could have been uh much of the mediterranean for sure could have even have gone you know farther than that uh you see you know we see uh like influences of you know at least when it comes to the egyptians we see influences of of the egyptians you know all over the world in small doses uh, but we see that there. So, you know, was the Egyptian culture mixed with the Atlantean culture? Were they almost one and the same? Possibly. Um, or there's the idea that the, uh, the Egyptians were survivors of Atlantis, that uh, after the great destruction of Atlantis, that they reformed in Egypt and other places of the world. Uh, like Sardinia is one location where people talk about possible survivors of Atlantis going to and settling there as well as other areas um, you know there's and I and I wish now that I would have grabbed the quote but um, and I can't remember who the quote is by but one of the uh, ancient historians had stated that the uh, the current Egyptians of that time uh, you know, did not build You know the pyramids and a lot of those structures that they found them intact that uh, that the Egyptians were you basically found that land that they were not the original inhabitants and so uh, which really of course you know flies in the face of of mainstream but um, but it it, you know adheres to the other ideas of you know maybe survivors of Atlantis or they could it could have even been another culture it could have been possibly the Atlanteans there in Egypt that built the pyramids you know they had the whether it was a great flood or some other sort of cataclysm wiped them out, and then others, uh, you know, found the remnants of that civilization and built back up and became the dynastic Egyptians. So about halfway through the show, so I kind of want to, uh, you know, you know put put the brakes on the Atlantis narrative. I'm going to see if there are any other questions down here. Um. So Sarah asking, is the location of the star relative to the gate representative of a particular star or constellation in the sky? It may be a reference for a time of year when the gate may be active. Actually, um, the way it's depicted uh, in the hieroglyphs, there's stargate and then there's great stargate. So it, it seems like major and minor stargates. Now we don't know what that necessarily means, like what a regular stargate would be and what a great stargate would be. Does that mean? You know, you can go to locations further away. Can you take more people with you? Does it have more power? We don't know. Uh, But it's definitely a good question. You asked about the Schist disk, but we'll circle back to that uh, in a little bit. Promise. So where I want to go next, though, uh, is Hatshepsut's Temple. I always have a hard time saying that name. Uh, again, another temple. I know we did temples last week, uh, but we talk about stargates here. And so, since we're talking Atlantis, we're start talking stargates. Uh, this one comes into play here. So, up temple. Uh, you know, this is a fascinating location, and this was a super hot day. So, I missed some photos I wanted to take, and, I, and the photos I did get are not very good um because I was dying that day (laughs) um I I was suffering from dehydration quite a bit the after a week into uh the uh, the trip but um what's interesting about this the photo that I I neglected to take that I, I grabbed one of Johnny's photos um you see the uh the stairs going up to the temple um, I don't want to call them railings, but basically the side of that staircase, and you see in the photo that you know there's a uh, couple of statues that are there at the bottom. These statues were reworked. Okay, let me grab Johnny's photo here. You see here the depiction is of the falcon, which is Horus. This this temple has been reworked to try to make it look like a temple of Horus, but it was actually uh, depicting the the snake here and you can see on the the tail of it which is the uh, the side that goes up you see it's the the snake tail so these would have been uh, probably cobras uh, that would have been here uh, on the temple and remember we talked about the snake representing energy so you would have had this representation of energy going up into Uh, the temple there, straight up inside. Keep that in mind. Off to the left, you don't see it in the photo here, but I do have another photo that I'm gonna show you. And over here, off on the side, and maybe I could have zoomed in a little bit better, but basically there are the remnants, just the base, of a pyramid that used to be here. Uh, you don't see it there now it's it's basically been obliterated but that is the base of the pyramid that's all that's left so keep this in mind you have the representation of energy going up into the temple you have a pyramid on the side there remember when we talked about pyramids uh, a couple weeks ago in part 1 we were talking about the idea that of pyramids as power plants that they were harnessing some sort of energy what could they possibly be uh, using this energy for so think of almost like a large battery pack on the side here charging the temple for what what are we charging the temple for Okay, well, straight back through here. Go up the stairs. Straight back again. Not the greatest photo, but this is the doorway into the the holy of holies. It's always the uh, uh, the central piece of the temple is the holy of holies. That's that's the secret place where uh, you know the uh, the ark is kept. In this case, what might we have here? We're going to see it here in just a second. Okay, now this here is a photo. I, I, I took a photo of the sign here. Dear Tour Guides, kindly don't explain inside this part. We appreciate your cooperation. So they don't want Tour Guides inside explaining what's going on in there. Now directly above this, on the side of that doorway, you see another representation of the Stargate. There's the gate. There's the star. This is, the again, a Stargate. Now, you go into the Holy of Holies area. This is as far as we could get. In fact, I couldn't even take this photo. There's a couple of, there's a railing there. There's a couple of guards that don't let you through. (laughs) And for a tip, that's a big thing about Egypt. You tip everybody. For a tip, they will take some photos for you. So, they basically took three photos. That one straight on and then one to each side. That's and this is the Holy of Holies. But what's back there? What's in that Holy of Holies? Johnny, knowing what was back there, well, we were going around through uh, other areas of the temple and before the other groups, because there are a couple other groups getting up there. This is like a common location that you hit right off the boat before you go to the Valley of the Kings. Johnny runs up there, offers these couple of guys whatever for, I mean, they... They talk money so uh, sometimes you can bribe them with enough money that they'll let you back there because nobody else was up there at the moment and it was just Johnny they let him back there and so on the one wall back there you see this representation of the Stargate so the cartouche filled with stars absolutely amazing stuff so the idea is that back in here all the way back into that holy of holies and you even see like that that niche back there and we don't even know what that is there's another photo johnny has up there pointing to that uh, as well so all the way back in there which you know and kind of imagine this you have the pyramid off to the left side and we're looking straight on at the temple now off on the left side creating the energy for this stargate ends I kind of like the de- description that Johnny gave. imagine this thing being charged and you had the uh, the the cobras there on either side, the snakes, not not as the recarved falcons here, but as the snakes. and you had Hatchup soot and Tutmos walking down out of the Stargate from we, we don't know where they they came from was it back to was it back to um, the constellation of Orion? know, or Sirius, um, you know, that's uh, part of their uh, afterlife beliefs, is the the soul would go on to the constellation of Orion. Now, we looked at the mummies of uh, Hatshepsut and Thutmose III, and we could not take photos. They're at the Civilization Museum, the royal mummies are there. That was, if if any of you recall a few months back, where they had that massive procession, it was all beautiful with the cars, and they were bringing the mummies to the Civilization Museum because they opened a new uh, Royal Mummy Exhibit. Could not take photos again. Another location in which the tour guides were not allowed inside to tell you about anything. It's really kind of interesting how some places are just off limits to to tour guides, or you can't take photos. In the Royal Mummies was one of those. Well. Hatshepsut and Tutmos, if you look at their skulls, they are elongated. So there are those that believe that, uh, that those two kings may have had some sort of extraterrestrial DNA. You know, of course, we can't get to <laughs> those uh, mummies to do that testing. They're, they're not going to let us do that, of course, but there are those that uh, that do believe that. So... Very, very interesting here with with the temples and the Stargates, of course Atlantis uh, at Edfu. So, uh, and yes, concentration of energy into a single point. And, yeah, basically going back all the way into that Holy of Holies, up those stairs and back there. I mean, it's absolutely magnificent. It's beautiful. Very, very beautiful. So. Now you asked about the Schist disk. Uh, We have several things here that we're going to try to get into the last 20 minutes. Um, Feel free, of course, uh, anybody else that has questions as well, feel free to drop those in there too. So this thing is really interesting. So they call it the Schist disk because uh, that's a material it's made out of Schist. It is basically a... um, I guess you'd call it like a type of slate. It's a uh, metamorphic type of rock uh, made of uh, mudstone or shale and it is really I mean it's harder than slate but it's uh, very similar to it. It's basically been subjected to higher temperatures and pressure. Nobody really knows what in the world this thing was used for. Everybody has uh, different ideas and suggestions. a lot of mainstream uh, people have tried to say, well they they use this you know almost like a loom. They tried to put you know yarn around it or whatever, which others have said, well, you know it's even though it's schist, which is a little bit harder than uh, slate, you know you you pull on that tight enough, and these thinner areas here are going to break. Uh, of course. You know, you see the aerodynamics here. And so uh, there are those that say this is like a piece of a uh, uh, of a spacecraft or something like that. And eh, I don't necessarily believe it's a part of a spacecraft, given that it's made of stone. You know, this is not metal. It kind of looks like metal. Uh, it almost looks like something that would come off like a modern-day day airplane uh, or, or something like that because uh, you you see those aerodynamics, and it's got that gray color, but this is actually a rock. So, you know, what it was possibly used for, uh, not sure, but uh, Tom Danley, who we talked about a bit when we talked about the pyramids, uh, and he did all of that resonance testing within within the pyramids. You know, he said that, you know, something like this would also, if you spin it, you know, fast enough, you're going to have a musical resonance come out from this sort of design. Uh, and, and it does look kind of obvious that the, uh, that centerpiece there, uh, that hole that's there, that you know, it's going to spin. This thing is going to spin. And uh, according to Danley, you spin it enough, you're going to get that musical resonance out of it, which is which is interesting. Uh, of course, some people are like, well, is it maybe some sort of airfoil or something like that? We really, really don't know uh and yeah Sarah's kind of asking there, I wonder what frequencies would be produced of a spun on its axis? Well, we would have to actually uh we would actually have to run those tests um Nobody's been allowed to, to run those those type of tests, for at least as, as far as I know. Like Danley got a, a chance. You can't do it now. But back in the day, they were, they allowed a lot more uh, testing back in the day from people being able to do things. And Danley got into the Great Pyramids and found out that the pyramid was uh, tuned F sharp. And the, the box within the King's Chamber was tuned to A. And when the, uh, I wasn't allowed to film it I, I I did when the archaeologist had his back turned it was in the other room. I just I won't make it public. Um but we did do that testing there in the Great Pyramid and yes, sure enough F sharp um you know from the antechamber uh and, and that's the way I guess you're supposed to do it from the antechamber into the um uh the king's chamber and you get that F sharp resonance and then the box inside we did get the A. So Yeah, all that, confirmed all that stuff. So this is really interesting. Um, Other objects which uh, were quite interesting to me there. Now this just looks like a piece of of pottery and this was from the Nubian Museum in Aswan. But you see the swirls on there and this fascinates me. And so, uh, Muhammad and I had a a nice little discussion about this for for a few moments. Uh, How you see these swirls all over the place in cultures all over the world. And there's actually uh, quite a few more of these at the Cairo Museum, and we're going to see some things from the Cairo Museum here shortly. Uh, but you know, I've seen these. These are Chaco Canyon, uh, the swirls there. Now, in Chaco Canyon, these are attributed to the the Star People, uh, and in the journeys of the uh, the ancient cultures in Chaco Canyon. Uh, know to the heavens and then the star people down to earth uh, we see these swirls in you know, New Grange in Sardinia this is something that we see all over the world they're everywhere uh, and they are usually attributed to something like energy or portals or some you know stargates again here we are back on stargates and uh, this was just something I wanted to make sure when I was at Chaco Canyon I captured. And seeing it there in Egypt, it's like, here it is again. The swirls, the portals. And of course, with our Shadow Dimension series, I was on top of that. Because I was also getting footage for Season 2 of uh, the Shadow Dimension. And so I, I grabbed some of that uh, you know, for that series as well. So... Um, so, and, uh, and Dina, uh, they could be used, So I guess this is about the schist disk, uh, could they be used as a physical tool for levitating stone? Well, that is a good question, because if you go back to our previous uh, depictions of levitating the temple, uh where we saw that, what were the devices that they used for levitating the, the temple? You know, could something like the schist disc have been used to aid in that? Now a lot of those depictions, um, you know, they're showing you know the use of rods and sometimes in some cases maybe some sort of uh like water device. And so was this possibly used in that somehow? We don't know. Um Oh, here we go. From uh, from Jennifer, Maeve wants to know what a Stargate is. Okay, so a Stargate, um, Jen, when she gets a little older, you have to show her the movie Stargate. So this is basically a a portal into a another world. So um, we kind of use the term uh, wormhole a, a lot um, in the in the scientific community. They'll call it the Einstein Rosen bridge, but this is basically a door. From you know think of like uh uh like a energy door in the movie Stargate, they use that big uh it's they use that big uh ring with the water <laughs> it's kind of the way they show it there, and you walk through that door and you go through this you know wormhole from your world into another world so you could get from here to another planet maybe you get from here to another place on the planet you know when we talk about the uh usually we talk about you know traveling to another solar system or a galaxy or something like that because our physical spaceship uh would take too long you know millions of years to get from here to another galaxy how would we do that and that would be through the use of a a wormhole if we could make something open up to be able to get there Uh, and so uh, the idea here with the Egyptians is were they using Stargate technology these different portals these different gateways or doors to get from where they were in Egypt to these other you know galaxies if they really were from the constellation of Orion is this how they got back and forth from there so Very good question. Thank you, Maeve. (laughs) Um, All right. So uh, continuing with that, this one was really interesting to me as well. Uh, The swirl on an egg. So eggs, the, the symbol of the egg in the ancient world is actually very, very significant. It has to do with... Uh, the it has to do with origin and creation and you see other depictions of what they call uh, the cosmic egg throughout all time and here's here's one particular one the egg uh, basically uh, the the snake is coiled around the egg so again we have the depiction of the snake the energy uh, around the egg or the cosmic egg and so uh, you have here, if I go back to the, uh, again, the, the this is from the M- Nubian Museum. You have the representation of the energy, the portal, possibly Stargate, on the egg, or the representation of the origins of the universe. Uh, that, to me, is very, very significant, and it's just tucked away in the back here. You don't even see a label on this thing. You can see some of these other things here are are labeled. Where, you know, they're talking about these palettes that are, you know, around it here. You know, here's this palette of a turtle and uh, the one directly uh, below the egg is of a fish. And you see the description over here, symbolic stone palettes, blah, blah, blah. They don't have anything here to describe this egg. Uh, But to me, seeing this automatically reminds me of the cosmic egg and then of course the swirl pattern we're back to portals and stargates, uh, and what have you. So absolutely fascinating to see that there. Uh, got about eight minutes left, so I'll try to, try to wrap this up. But there's some fascinating other things here. Um, okay, so this one was at the Cairo Museum, and this is possible, you know, it's kind of just scratched in here, but possible uh, depiction of A giant with some smaller beings you see these uh, you know the the smaller people here and then there is uh, the the tall uh, person there and it also looks a little different you can this this taller being here you can almost see like there's maybe two or three horns coming out of the top of the head uh, which is you know very different it almost looks like it has a little bit of a of a pot belly there Um, so is this we go down the extraterrestrial route you know is it a giant extraterrestrial uh, sort of you know because they have you know the the three smaller ones almost have like elongated heads here Uh, so this is very very fascinating uh, depiction Uh, Sarah's asking uh, horns or a sun headdress Uh, possibly Uh, very well could we 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 really don't know but what's interesting is not too far from here is this massive coffin Uh, this is Emily one of the uh, ladies that was on the tour with us and it's like Emily smile (laughs) I kind of just had her walk over there real quick Emily go over there I want to get a photo of uh, somebody next to this thing now she's I don't know probably like five three five four um I think probably closer to five because Johnny, he was he's like six three and his head came to like a, maybe a little bit above uh that uh that middle that middle uh wooden piece there. So this thing is a good ten, maybe eleven feet tall. You know, who in the world was in this thing? And what's interesting is that they took away some of those coffins. Apparently, there were more. From what uh, Johnny and Muhammad were saying, there were more of those giant coffins in there, and they have been removed. Now, they are moving a lot of things over to the uh, new Grand Egyptian Museum, which is not open. It was supposed to open seven years ago. It's still not. Uh, but they were in the process, like with the King Tut exhibit, there were uh, pieces from the King Tut exhibit that were moved out of there. So we didn't get to see everything because they're moving it to the new, what they call the gym. Even though it's not open yet, so it could have been moving it over there, um, you know, or probably too many people like us saying, "See, there were giants." But I mean, come on, who were you putting in there that was that tall? Uh, and, like that, Mave thinks they're aliens. Fantastic, uh, and and Anne, oh great, good to see you, Anne. Uh, energetically, feels like female queen energy. Interesting. Okay. Well thank you for your uh, your insight on that. Appreciate that. So now this I, I wish I would have gotten a better photo of this. So I, I know it's hard to tell what in the world we are looking at in this photo. But this is the back side of a sarcophagus. The sarcophagus here, I, I wish I would have gotten a, a photo of it from the front. I have uh some running video of it. But um and did I free, okay, I got the little video clip coming up here, but um, sorry. So this thing is resting on its side. And this, what's going on here, is they are cutting the lid of the sarcophagus off of the uh, bottom of the sarcophagus. Now, what's, what's fascinating about this, and this is when we get into ancient machining and how you know the mainstream will say, "Well, they had copper chisels, you know, and and that's what they used to to carve things with." You know, the, apparently they didn't have iron or or you know or other things. And you you look at this and it's like, that's not a chisel, that's a cut. Um, you can even see uh, down uh, toward the bottom there where, you know, it has the, the cut is rounded. You know, basically, this was. This was a circular saw and I showed you know, my father this. Now he's a, he's retired now, but he was a, a machinist. By, a, a, by trade, he was a tool and die maker. So he, he built the machines that made the parts. And so he's looking at this and he's like, that's, you know, if, if it was something that we had today, what we would use today to make this kind of cut would be a diamond tip saw. Now they are not supposed to have had diamond tip saws back then, but yet we're seeing physical evidence that they certainly had something like it. so I'm going to play this little video now this video is going over the top of this cut and then I come back down the side and you can actually see how it's a it's a rounded groove uh, within there) I mean, it's pretty obvious what it is. And so for those listening to the podcast later, I wasn't speaking while I was uh, taking that video clip. Um, but obvious, obvious uh, saw blade cut. And what's, what's fascinating about it too is that uh, if we go back to the photo real quick, where you see that, um, that rounded edge there, underneath that is a cut from the other side. And so, they essentially had, as they were, I guess, maybe pushing this thing into a saw, they had two giant, on top of each other, uh, saw blades like that to cut this thing, one from either side. and offset just a hair, as you can see there, there's a little bit of an offset there, so the two blades don't actually hit. Um, So, absolutely fascinating, you're seeing this advanced machining there. In ancient times when they were not supposed to have had this uh, I absolutely love it um, okay and Dina asking uh, Nephilim connection perhaps in relation to the Giants uh, That's, I mean, that's always possible. You know, you you hear the the stories of the Nephilim, the Giants, the Watchers. um, You know, people always make those type of connections when we talk about the Giants. Um, You know, even... Like those with the elongated skulls in Paracas, were those perhaps um, giants, or uh, the Denisovans up in uh, in Russia? You know, very very few pieces, but they were definitely larger humans. So were were those also you know, descended from the Nephilim or the Watchers? Um, and then of course we have all of those missing uh, remains that were collected around America uh, that the Smithsonian, it seems like, did away with you know, 100 150 years ago. And so where did all those go? So uh you know very possibly. Uh Sarah as far as lasers, actually no. And the reason why not lasers is because there's no vitrification. Uh with lasers you'll get some vitrification because of the the heat from the laser and you're not seeing that in in these cuts. So the the best thing that we have to relate to this type of cut uh, is Would be a diamond bit saw And that's actually not just my father I, I showed that to him Knowing that uh, Christopher Dunn uh, Who wrote the um, Who was also a machinist <laughs> Basically was, was my father But another guy uh, But he wrote the uh, Giza Power Plant book And also the ancient uh, The Technology in Ancient uh, Egypt book So Which are both on the bookshelf back there uh, So Having that Having that nice little confirmation From my dad was like All right Uh, Chris has got it so uh, one more thing here I want to touch on we talked a little bit about elongated skulls Uh, Akhenaten so now this was the the king that they tried to make disappear Uh, he's the one that tried to bring monotheism to Egypt Uh, he had the city of Amarna built out in the middle of the desert Uh, the uh, a lot of the statues of him are shown in this uh, very interesting form where he has more of a feminine type body. Um, he also has a more of an elongated face. We're not going to get into all the different things behind Akhenaten, but very, very controversial figure in, uh, in ancient Egypt. Uh, we saw the king's list from Abydos uh, last week when we did a lot of the temples he is not on that king's list neither is king tut or uh, several others he was one of the ones that they uh, you know tried to erase from history when well, you look here at uh at the akhenaten collection and you see the different busts with the elongated skulls the one on the uh on the right is supposed to be his sister and i forget about the the other couple here uh, but again, you see this depiction of the elongated skulls. And, you know, was there some connection there to, to extraterrestrials? Uh, you know, there there could be. If they, if they were utilizing these stargates to go to you know, other star systems, it's possible that there was some, you know, intermixing there between humans and between the extraterrestrials. I, I don't believe that they were straight up extraterrestrials uh, I believe that they would have been kind of like what you're talking about before with the uh, what the Nephilim remember the Nephilim were supposed to have you know interbred with the humans to create the giants well that could be what somebody like Akhenaten or uh Tutmose III third or Hatshepsut I mean that could be who they are they could be the byproduct of like the Nephilim and humans into this this hybrid between the two. So very, very possible. Let me see if you guys have any because uh, we are, are at our hour mark. See if you guys have any last questions here. Um so uh not really. All right, everybody. <laughs> Appreciate you joining me tonight for, and I still have the lasers comment off my figures. <laughs> Appreciate you guys joining me this evening. This was part three of three of the, uh, of the Egypt tour. Uh, had an absolutely fascinating time. There will still be more coming out on Egypt along the way. Um, I have a uh, more extensive video on Elephantine Island coming out. Um, you saw some of that. Last week, uh, where I showed the the video clip of, of Johnny there talking about the the Stargate, um, we have uh, plenty more from there that uh, I'll release on the actual uh, YouTube channel, We're releasing that publicly. Uh, but there's you know, you guys have access to all the behind the scenes travel blog. There are other videos that I haven't done anything with, <laughs> video clips that I haven't done anything with that will come out. But um, but there will be more uh, from Egypt uh, coming out. Since we've been doing this for three weeks, we'll take a little bit of a uh, of a different turn for next week. But uh, this has been amazing uh, talking about this for for the last several weeks, and really appreciate all of your questions and uh, and all the feedback. So, all right, for those listening to the the podcast version of this later, uh, please uh, check out ConnectedUniversePortal.com. Join us for these live streams. uh, Take part in the conversation. Ask the questions here uh, and see the entire presentation. So you guys are just listening to it later, but you can watch the whole presentation here. See all the photos and video clips and everything that we're doing here uh, within the class. So connecteduniverseportal.com. 30-day free trial. Come check it out. All right, everybody. Have a great night and we will see you next week. Oh, just a note before I sign off. So this was a special Thursday presentation because yesterday was my birthday. And for those that uh, watch the Mike's Morning Mug, you've already caught this. I know Tom already made a comment uh, on that because he's like, well, Thursdays aren't aren't good for me. And I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, there's only so many days during the week. So we'll be back uh, next Wednesday, but then in August, we are gonna have to go uh, to Thursdays for a while because I'm actually uh, going to be in a class myself on wednesday nights uh for for a couple of months so uh as that's going on i'm going to move connecting the universe temporarily to thursday nights eight o'clock like we are now so but i'll make those posts and keep you guys in the loop on uh, on what's happening so all right have a great night everyone till next time